We're unabashedly obsessed We've got to get it off our chest Please sit there and be quiet Hey everyone. Hello. Welcome to Unabashedly Obsessed. I'm James. I'm Erin. And on our show we like to talk about things related to pop culture. And not so pop culture. What 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 was the weird face making and pausing you just did? Um, well, the the second one was me forgetting that I say that I'm James. Because uh, you, did you say hello? Uh-huh. Okay, well. I said hello a little confused because you were making right. the first face. The first face was because I almost started the show... Flight deck, you are cleared for takeoff. Oh. That <laughs> but it's would... a good thing I didn't do that, because that would have been weird. It would have been very weird, and I would have sounded even more confused when I said hello. <laughs> hello? <laughs> do we want to tell the people what we're talking about today? This week, it's week three of All Hallows Steve, and we're getting in there for a nice deep cut. Yeah. We're, we're talking about the novella that starts off the collection Four Past Midnight called The Angela... Langeberry O'Leary's. Langeberry? Yeah. You want to take that? Do you ever think you're going to say something and it's going to be like, yeah. And And then then you you say it and you're like, that makes no sense. (laughs) It makes no sense. And also you said her name wrong. The Langoliers. I spent my entire life up until this point thinking that this and the Tommyknockers were the same thing. Oh, really? Yeah. I have no idea what the Tommyknockers is about, but I have read the first, like the opening scene, mm-hmm. and I know that that scene takes place in the woods. Okay. I picked that up in like middle school, huh. and I was like, what's this book? And I read it, and I was like, this is weird and boring, and I put it back on the shelf. <laughs> uh-huh. You weren't ready yet. No, I was not. Um, but I have I have gone my entire life thinking that this and, and the Tommyknockers were the same thing, and now hopefully I will be dispelled of that misinformation. When you eventually read the Tommyknockers? Well, I've read one of them now, so I can be like, no, that was the Langoliers. Right. So um, I want to try to not do full recap mode. I concur. But I was thinking it'd be fun if we tried to do like a recap of the thing in in, in four sentences. Oh, gosh. Okay. So Yeah, I just said gosh. <laughs> really? When's throw- the last time I said gosh? I don't, gosh, I don't know. Um... Gee willikers. Gee, mini cricket. Mm-hmm. So do you want to try and do that? Sure. Do you want to try and do it two sentences each, alternating? Okay. Okay. Do you want to start? Sure. Okay. Ten people on a red eye from LAX to Boston wake up to discover that everyone else on the plane has disappeared. They land the. Pl- they manage to land the plane in Bangor, Maine, and discover that the airport is completely devoid of all people and also that colors and sounds and smells and tastes and other physical properties of everything around them have been dulled almost to the point of non-existence period (laughs) okay (laughs) was that my was that my first sentence? that was your first sentence nice yeah which takes us like well into act two (laughs) They hear something bad and scary, and it comes to get them. Okay. <laughs> they manage to escape from the reality-eating Langoliers who eat all of reality on the earth below them, and they fly the plane back to the rift where one of them has to sacrifice himself to make it back through 
because everyone has to be asleep to go through the rift, and they do that, period. I mean, that's mostly... <laughs> my my second sentence was, like, stupidly short and not really fair to you. You're... You're, I just I I think that's I think it's fine because I think I used more semicolons in those two Yeah <laughs> in those two sentences than I've ever used in my entire life. So I think <laughs> that uh probably it's fair. <laughs> so yeah, so basically these people wake up, they fall asleep on a red eye flight, they wake up and the plane is deserted. Right. Except for them. Right. And Fortunately, one of them is a Yeah, like... fortunately one of them is a pilot <laughs> <laughs> who is flying as a passenger. Right. He's deadheading. Is that what that's called? Yeah, I learned that on Catch Me If You Can. Oh. Because that was how Leonardo DiCaprio, Frank Abagnale, like, he got to pretend he was a pilot. Because mm-hmm. he would just be like, oh, yeah, I'm deadheading from such and such to such and such. And he just had a pilot's uniform. And oh. they were like, sounds good. Welcome aboard. <laughs> okay. Because they don't have to pay. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. I should try that. I'm just kidding. Mm. <laughs> sort of. Don't try that, he said on the air. <laughs> totally try that. I mean, crap, is this thing on? Yep. <laughs> so, I have read this book previously. Yes. I did a re-skim. Okay. Because I remembered most of the big points. I just right. kind of skimmed through, and when I got to something where I was like, oh, I don't completely remember what this was, I would read it. Right. So, it's not it's not a long book by Stephen King standards. No. This Stephen King book has everything. Magical children writers randomly evil guys <laughs> not very well developed women yeah. <laughs> basically yeah proto chat rooms there was a proto w- chat rooms so beth no um laurel uh-huh oh yeah yeah her, her was on her way lonely hearts magazine yeah her fr- her love and friendship magazine was what they called it in the in the book yeah um i was like man that's a chat room like that's 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 match.com. Yeah. Like, <laughs> there's yeah. an industry of that now. Yeah, pretty much. So, yeah. Yes. So, should we touch on the most important characters? Sure. Okay. So, we've got Brian Engel, who is the pilot who is deadheading. Right. Um, because he just received word that his ex-wife was killed in a fire in her apartment. Right. So, he is flying back to Boston for that. To go over I guess, that. Yeah. Like... Yeah. He's not like flying back specifically for the funeral. Like he gets off of a flight and somebody from the airline grabs him and is like, hey, uh, your ex-wife just died. In a, you should get on a plane to Boston. In a scene that I pictured as here's the cockpit. Here's Brian at the door. Here's the representative. Meanwhile, the steward, the you know, the, the, the stewardesses, I mean, flight attendants. the flight attendants, in this, it was a very gendered. There was like the male flight crew, by which he meant the pilots. I was like, right. yikes. Yeah. Um, that they were like passengers were getting off. Well, meanwhile, right next to them, they were like, "Your wife is dead." <laughs> and like, I imagine like a passenger being like, "Huh?" That's not horribly inaccurate. <laughs> from so there's there was also they made a TV mini series of this in 1995 that can be found on YouTube and has anyone in it. Um. It has uh, 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 the guy who plays Nick was in Titanic. He may have played the captain. He was like one of the crew of the Titanic, but like a named think. Maybe it was Brian. Nick or Brian was in Titanic. Okay. Uh, Bronson Pinchot. Oh, wow. Is Craig Toomey. 
Oh, wow. Yeah. Not how I pictured him, but no. he was really good. I can imagine him being so, really good. here's the thing about 1990s miniseries based on Stephen King books. Uh-huh. A genre unto itself? A genre unto itself, yes. Everyone says they're terrible. Uh-huh. They're really not that bad. Yeah. I thoroughly enjoyed The Stand. Yeah. I was really apprehensive about this one because I had seen some still shots and I'm like, oof, mid-90s. Right. Like, Bethany is wearing like a lime green cropped tank top. Sure, sure. And like this black leather hat Uh that's sort of like a biker cap. Yeah. It was like a... And she's got like a choker and like jean cutoffs that come up higher than they would now. Right. Does... Does Beyonce play her? No. Okay. <laughs> no, she's all, she has been in like four other things and was like, you know, waitress or girl in car. Huh. Oh, in I all lo- of I've seen that movie. That's yeah. so, she was so good. She was very good as I girl really in car. I really believe that she was in a car. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so he was really really good. I can I can I can see him being playing losing his mind very Yeah. Well. And actually, it added a lot more to the character than I got from the book. Because the book is not... Like, there are scenes from his point of view. Yeah. But it kind of feels almost like filler to me. Like, I don't care about the scenes from his point of view. Sure. So, like, the the Craig Toomey scenes kind of felt like I didn't... You don't like him. Like, he's not a likable character. But seeing him... And especially with Bronson Pinchot doing such a good job in the role, yeah. makes him a more sympathetic, if not likable, character than he was for me in the book. In the, I felt like he was the kind of unlike. He sort of reminded me of Brady from Mr. Mercedes a little bit. Yeah, a little bit. Where it's like, yeah, no, I don't like this guy one little bit and whatever. Mm-hmm. But I can also see an inflection point where he could have been okay. Right. You can absolutely see why he is the way he is. Right. So we got sidetracked from our who is who. Yeah. So you've got your pilot. Sure. Brian Engel. Yep. You've got this random British dude who's basically like a spy slash assassin. Yeah. But you don't know that for sure until the end. Although you don't know that for sure, but But you you pretty much know. know that. And his name is Nick. And he is my very favorite. Uh-huh. I love him very, very much. Okay. Uh, Laurel is a teacher uh-huh. who is the one who had responded to the chat room magazine. Yeah. She basically answered an ad, an ad on Craigslist. Yeah. It, yeah. She's flying to Boston to see um, some dude that she met through this love and friendship magazine. Right. It was going to be her big adventure. Right. Um, you've got Dinah, who is a nine, ten-year-old girl. I'm not sure. Yeah, a young child that. who is blind. Right. And is going to Boston to have an operation to hopefully restore some of her sight. Right. You have Albert. Yeah. Who is my other favorite. That's my guy. Yeah. He's my other. My I loved him so much. I knew you were going to love him. <laughs> I loved him so much. He's a violinist who is on his way to college. Yeah. Uh, Bethany is a girl who is going to visit her aunt, who is probably going to stick her in rehab. Right. She's like a teenage girl. Right. Uh, who else? We have Bob Jenkins yeah. is a mystery writer. Yes. And is a little too good at figuring things out with absolutely no reason to be able to figure them out. Yeah. He's... Like, he just comes up with some shit. He's a real Mary Sue. Yeah, he really is. 
Don Gaffney is also there. Yeah. Rudy Warwick is hungry a lot. Yeah. And is also there. Yeah. And there's some dude in the back of the plane who is asleep the whole time. Like, who? literally asleep the whole time. He wakes up at the very, very end after they are back from their time travel journey. Um, He freaked me out to almost no end. He was not in the miniseries. Good. He was he was a gun placed on the stage, mm-hmm. and then they were like, "Hey, remember that gun? Us too." Anyways, let's go on and do something yeah. else. They ne- I never. That was one of the things I wanted to ask you about. Was did you get any reason for why he was there? Because I, like, I don't really understand why he was in that story. I thought it was going to be a like a like he was the devil, or he was. <gasps> was he Randall Flag? Right? Just like hanging out, sleeping in the back of the plane. Because like nothing, like nothing happened to him. He yeah. had, he experienced nothing. He woke up and was like, oh, my head really hurts. This is one hell of a hangover. And then he went back to sleep. Um, Yeah, I'm gonna go back to sleep. And then they, they kept leaving him on the plane. You know how we talk about how Stephen King is mostly, well, I always talk about how Stephen King, the themes, he's not a horror writer. He's, his theme is Friendship is Magic. Yep. What if you... Actually, how his themes are friendship is magic or alone you're going to die. Mm-hmm. What if you wrote a character that neither of those two things was something and he just was there? Right. <laughs> That's this guy. Right. This unnamed black bearded man um, is just not part of the quartet and not Carrie. Not going to die alone because he's uh, he's left alone. He's just sleepy. Sleepy yep. McGee. He's just, he's just on the plane. <laughs> and like at the end, they're like... I mean, they're basically like Wizard of Oz grouping, uh-huh. like skipping off into the sunset. And they just left him on the plane. Yeah, they're like, and that guy's on the plane. And I was like, well, what about him? They left him in a dead body on the plane. Right. And a, a, a crashed plane. Like, they crashed into some other planes to stop the oh, plane. Oh, did they? I'm pretty, I, I'm pretty sure. I thought I they... Thought- no, because remember when they got when they landed at LAX, there was nothing there, and they thought it was another banger because time had to catch back up to them. Right, but they they like they hit like the jetway at like thirty miles an hour, and they didn't have to open up the jetway because they'd hit it, so they could just go up through it as right. opposed to having to go through the conveyor belt again. Right. So I kept being like, I "Forgot about that." What part. about so when time catches back up and there's suddenly a plane that's run into the airport? What then? Yeah. LAX. My, yeah, my thinking had been what happens. I had complete. I, I must have stopped skimming as much at that point because that doesn't happen in the miniseries. They just land. It's a, they, it's a needless complication. Yeah, like, they, they just land the plane. But yeah, I'm thinking what happens when time catches back up and all of those airplanes that weren't there just materialize right where that jet is. Right. What then? Right. Well, I mean, the jets were, I guess it's that the people weren't there, but the jets were. But maybe what if what about the people that were moving yeah because jets there were around? still jets in banger right bangor i, bangor, I always bangor. say i always say i always hit the g really hard i always bangor? say bangor main bangor okay but the, the there were planes there because that's how they got fuel the fuel right there was some super deus ex machina stuff going on yeah like it was like he was like yeah all this stuff is bad and matches don't work and whatever so what are you gonna do now future me and future him was like yeah, but stuff works on the plane. It's like, yeah. Oh, okay. That seems... Yeah. So, I don't know. Like, that guy didn't need to be on the plane. And I thought there was going to be something where, like... And then, on the plane, Jerry woke up and laughed maniacally. Yeah. <laughs> but nope. 
And then it was just like, nope, he's just on the plane. Well, see ya. I also had a memory of the book ending with Laurel going to England. Mm. Like, I have a very vivid memory of reading the scene where she goes to find Nick's dad and tell him what happened to Nick. Yeah. Um, nope. For a hot moment, I thought Nick was going to have her complete his his assassination mission. Oh. And I was like, this is inappropriate, Nick. <laughs> 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 you can't re- you can't replace a date with you want to make some quick cash kid <laughs> i don't know how they do things in england but in america we don't just hand people our, our assassination jobs yeah. yeah it i loved this book it was very very good i really really loved it because the time travel in it is so weird like independent of the fact that albert is a sweet cinnamon roll too good for this earth mm-hmm. and nick is like, the best kind of alpha male, because he's not a dick, but he's super in charge. Yeah. Like, that's the kind of alpha male that I like to read about in, like, my romance novels. Yeah. He, he definitely felt like a character in a romance novel. Yeah. He's not, like, a Christian Grey where he's, like, all sorts of fucked up and... How 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 many sorts of fucked up? I don't know. Up? Like, Fifty Shades? <laughs> <laughs> Fifty Shades of Fucked Up? Would you we say that's about here. right? <laughs> <laughs> but, like, I mean, he's just, like, he's he is a... St- Strong, like, man's man trope of a human being. Who played him? Some... Some dude. Attractive enough British dude. He wasn't, like, romance novel model gorgeous. Right. But he was, like, a very nice looking man. I pictured the guy from... What's that zombie movie and their cops and a uh, hot fuzz and Shaun of the Dead? The Shaun of the Dead guy? Oh, okay. Um, I can't think of what the guy's name is. This is... Simon Pegg? Yeah. Because I was thinking of Nick Frost, who is the other guy in his movies all the time, who's okay. like the bigger guy. But I was definitely picturing Simon Pegg the whole time. Okay. But in like a Simon Pegg's in charge and he's like super serious and like still British and whatever. It kind of worked. No, this guy looked more, he looked a little bit like Chris Sarandon, the guy who played Prince okay, Humperdinck. Sure, sure. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure that that's not the. I learned that recently, like yesterday, that he also voiced Jack Skellington in The Nightmare Before Christmas. I think I knew that. Danny Elfman did the singing, though. Right. Which I did not know. Right. Um, And Chris Sarandon is Susan's something? I know Mm, one more thing about him, and I can't think of what it is. Brother? I'm worried that it's that I know that the guy who played the guy with the six six fingers is uh, Christopher Guest's brother. I have no idea. Yeah, I think that's what it is. Also, the mom from Home Alone voiced Sally in The Nightmare Before Christmas. Catherine O'Hara? Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. That was a weird one for me to realize because, like, she definitely is doing a voice. It's what? It's, like, not her voice. So is there some sort of Christopher Guest connection? Because yeah. she was in all those movies, all those, like, Spinal... She wasn't in Spinal Tap, but she was in, like, Best in Show and all those. Yeah, I don't know. And Sarandon was in the thing. Anyways, weird. Yeah, I have um, no idea. So, yeah, I definitely pictured um, Simon Pegg as as Nick, which I'm 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 totally willing to admit right now is... 100% wrong. Yeah. But it was the consistent thing. I pictured Tom Hanks as Sully for Brian Engel. Mm-hmm. Um, Brian Engel in the miniseries did have a mustache. Yeah. He's a pilot. Yeah, exactly. Um, it, was but... like, it was like a little thin, like... Oh, uh, yeah. Like, I don't know. looked like toothbrush bristles. Okay, yeah, yeah. Is that a kind of mustache? Yeah. There's a name for it. Like a... It's like a bristly mustache. It's yeah. not like a mustache. Right. 
It was like a very neatly trimmed small mustache. Like less than a Magnum P.I. Okay. Yeah. And then Albert, I pictured as Arlo Guthrie. I don't know who that is. That is probably as it should be. He is, well, he's Woody Guthrie's son, which doesn't account for anything at all. He just is this, when I know him, he's this young musician with big curly hair who is Jewish-ish. Yeah, in my head, when I was reading it, I was picturing him as like Napoleon Dynamite. We're, we're, we're really close okay. on that. The Arlo Guthrie is very jew froy sort of deal. He was very cute yeah. in okay. the miniseries. Like, he, I mean, he had like, you know, nerdy gold-rimmed glasses and he was wearing a giant yellow t-shirt that said Beethoven and socks <laughs> with um, like reef sandals. Okay. Like the um, the ones like Greeley used to wear all the time. Tevas. Oh, okay. Tevas, yeah. not yeah, reef yeah. sandals. Tevas. Right. Like the yeah. webbing and the Velcro. Yeah. But yeah, he was very cute. Ben Queller actually is another name that that sort of I was sort of getting from from him, which is the same. It's just Arlo Guthrie for the two thousand set. Okay. Napoleon Dynamite's really close to both of those. If you made a caricature of both of those men that I was thinking of, it mm-hmm. would be Napoleon. Dynamite. Yeah, I think I would enjoy rereading the book now with the actor who played him in the miniseries in my head because mm-hmm. it makes him somewhat less ridiculous. Uh huh. Like, the whole time that he's, like, pretending to be a cowboy and stuff, I'm picturing Napoleon Dynamite doing that, and it was just, it was absurd. Oh, you know, I wonder if at the time lots of people pictured Gene Wilder. Because, Maybe. Because, you know, Blazing Saddles yeah. is basically what Albert was yeah. thinking of. Yeah. I mean, not really. He was thinking of gunslinging, actually. Right. He was, yeah. Stephen King was having a bit of fun, uh-huh. like he's wont to do. Yep. Um, he was in the miniseries. Stephen King was? Mm-hmm. Yeah. He plays Craig's boss. Oh, sure. Who, when Craig comes out to the runway yeah. at the end, yeah. and Dinah's like, they're all here, everyone from Boston, they came to see you. He like hallucinates the boardroom table and, and all of the people. And it's all Stephen King's? No, no it's just one Stephen King. Oh. Um, but every single person has a lamp, like one of those lamps with like the green shade, like the banker's lamp. Oh, every sure. single person at that table had a lamp in front of them. Was, oh, that's weird. Cause, it was very strange. Because it was supposed to be like a board meeting. Yeah. They were all sitting at like this giant like conference room table and everybody had their own individual desk lamp. It was so weird. Like a budgetary thing where they didn't have to I have no idea. Weird. It was very weird. So um I wanna talk about the time travel element of this. So they go through what we'll call a time rip. Sure. Where basically the plane goes into time that has already happened i won't say the past because it's not exactly the past it's like a memory time yeah it's like it it's like the plane enters this weird dimension of time space that is frozen yeah and because everything the way they describe so the langoliers are the weird stephen king baddies and they're pretty cheesy in the miniseries, as they imagine. are as they are in the book too. The book, they're super cheap. They're basically described as giant balls that devour things. Picture what I pictured was um, uh, when Sonic the Hedgehog would go really fast, he would turn mm-hmm. into a ball that yeah. would go really fast. Um, so not that because that was blue, and none of them were described as being blue. But there was Knuckles the Echidna who was red, and when he did fast, he would be a red ball. Uh-huh. That's what I pictured. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Uh, they, and they were also like, um, Craig's dad said that the Langoliers eat the eat the people that are lazy and stuff. Yeah, like, which kind of 
makes sense. So the Langoliers show up once a moment has passed to devour everything from that moment. Right. Because that moment is no more. So they basically are eating the time that has already happened. Yeah. And if you are lazy and not keeping up, yeah. theoretically, you could get left in that weird moment of past time pocket and get eaten by the Langoliers. Yeah. I think that there was, there's definitely something to, it's like memory mm-hmm. because like the time was going really fast and like, it doesn't hold up entirely because I feel like in memories, oftentimes like stuff is brighter and stuff is more vivid. Yes. In memories. But maybe I'm wrong about that. I think it depends on the memory. It's almost like it's a memory of something that was not particularly memorable. So like if you have, if you are thinking back on a particular memory that is like fixed in your mind, it's going to be brighter and everything and it will be a little bit bigger because you fixed it in your mind. But if you try to think back on like any random day in the cafeteria in high school, it's not going to be particularly anything. Right. And the time moves all sorts of weird the food tastes, you don't have any strong memories of the food or the yeah. smells or whatever. Yeah. yeah. So that's sort of what we're dealing with. So it's not like time travel so much as like, I mean, it is time travel, but it's time travel in like a new definition where you're going back into a yesterday that is relative to today. Yes. Like in a, almost an eternal yesterday. Well, and it, it, I think the idea is that you have traveled back in time, but that time has not continued to exist. Yeah. So in typical time travel, you think about traveling back in time and you go back to yesterday and everything that happened yesterday is still is happening in this yesterday that you go back to. Yeah. So, you know, if, excuse me, if you go to a football game and these teams are playing and there's all these people there, you go back in time to when that football game happened, you're still going to be in the stands with all those fans and the football game is still going to be happening in what most of us think of as time travel. Right. In this, they go back to that football game. I mean, they don't actually go to a football game, but to, to use my example, they go back to this football game and the stadium's deserted because time's already moved on from that moment. It's like time. I was thinking about this. Let me see if this holds up for you. It's like time. You're on a table. Like reality is a table. A timetable? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like that. Like reality is like a table. And time... And like the present is like a tablecloth and it's being pulled off the table. Sure. From the other side. It's like normal time travel. The tablecloth is standing still and you can go to any point in the tablecloth. Right. But in this, the tablecloth is constantly moving. Like it's like the table keeps expanding, you know, forward and the tablecloth keeps moving to cover the part of the table. But there keeps being a part of a table that's exposed. Right. And they traveled back to exposed table. Basically. Yeah, they basically managed to land like right on the edge yes. of where the tablecloth stops right. covering the table. Right. And so while they are in this airport in Maine, the tablecloth is being pulled out from underneath them. And like, was there an element of, of, the, of it? I, I got that there was like an element of it wasn't this because it was that. But like, I thought for a sec that like the Langoliers had set a trap where they made reality look like this abandoned airport. Okay. So that because at airports you kind of just hang out until your flight leaves. Mm-hmm. So they set a trap for like the lazy to like just hang out so that they could have something to eat. Okay. That doesn't hold up because of this whole like the Langoliers aren't evil. They're just sort of janitors. Yeah, basically. They're just sort of, or, or like, you know, 
how like you know if the, people say like if if there weren't any bugs like the trash and dead bodies and all stuff yeah. would pile up and like yeah. in like minutes like yeah. it would be bad but because there are things that eat things yeah it doesn't like they're that like yeah. they're not they're, they they aren't evil they're just eating right so all of these people on this plane who survived were asleep right. at the moment that they passed through this time rip which i can right. only imagine I was thinking about this, and like when they're flying back through it, they're talking about how it basically kind of looks like. Well, did, in the book, did they talk about an aurora borealis over like the Nevada desert? At yeah. Both, at both uh, at the beginning, like the first yeah. thing that the stewards who got named and then summarily disappeared uh-huh. was like, yeah, there's there's aurora borealis over over Nevada. And Brian's like, huh, weird weather pattern. He literally the I'm. I wouldn't put it past The Simpsons to have been quoting him, it turns out. The, uh, there's a uh, a short in 22 Short Films about Springfield where Principal Skinner is, his kitchen's on fire. Okay. And he's trying to convince Superintendent Chalmers, who's over for, for dinner, that it's fine, that whatever. He's like, oh yeah, it's just uh, Aurora Borealis. And Superintendent Chalmers is like, Aurora Borealis, at this time of day, in this part of the country, localized entirely in your kitchen? And Skinner's like, Yes. Uh huh. But literally, Engel is like Aurora Borealis at this time of year in this in that part of the country. I was like Simpsons. Are you just quoting deep cut Stephen King stuff? Yeah. Like, because <laughs> that is like this is it is hard to find a print copy of this book. Yeah. This is one that I found at a library book sale. We have two, so I mean, like, it's... well, the one that I lent to you, the or the paperback one, yeah. is that. That's not all for past midnight, is Absolutely it? Absolutely, it is. Oh, it is. Yeah. Okay. It they it has Johnny Depp on the cover because they make it look like it's like you know this is the one that the movie Secret Window came from, right? But and it doesn't make it clear that it's all four of them. But now that I think about it, it would have to be all four of them because that book is really fucking thick. And also the Langoliers are in it. Well, I thought it was just the Langoliers and Secret Window, Secret Garden. Oh, it's so like a, like but that doesn't sec- make any sense. Secret Window, Secret. Secret Garden and it's beside the Langoliers. Uh huh. Makes sense. Yeah, I don't know why I thought that. Yeah. Probably because I never actually opened the book. Yeah. But yeah. Anyway, um, but yeah, so they're talking about. So I had been thinking, I'm like, how did the original pilot not be like, what's that weird thing? Oh, guess I'll fly into it. Right. Like you'd think he would have seen it because the way they describe it at the end when they're flying back through is that it's this massive, like miles wide glowing borealis of a rip in time they kept calling space. it like a purple lozenge yeah um i think that they justify it as they were on coffee break and were just sort of talking mm. to each other and so they didn't notice still, it still though yeah. that seems like really poor piloting yeah but it definitely gave me some like freaked out qualities about like pilots and yeah pilot activities yeah where it's like yeah just use a auto nav for the whole thing. Yeah. Like there was a point where they all woke up and they're like, crap, are the pilots gone? And yep, sure enough, the pilots are gone. But it turns out that like autopilot's fine until you need to land the plane. Yep. So. It appears that way, doesn't it? There's not a like, who's flying the plane? It's like, we need to break in so that, you know, we can land the plane eventually. Right. <laughs> like, yeah. It's. Definitely not like the dramatic scene that it is in a lot of things. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. So. Dinah has powers. Sorry. Oh, no, you're right. Dinah has the shine. Yeah, basically. You know, she like she's got heightened senses because of her blindness. Yeah. So like she can hear the Langliers coming before anybody else can. The 
she mentioned, she's like, it smells wrong here. It sounds wrong. Right. Everything, it feels wrong. Everything's wrong. Right. Um, but then at the end, she ends up being able to like project herself into Craig's mind. Sure. The paper ripping that Craig did. Yeah. When I was reading it, I was picturing it as almost just like an absent-minded shredding of paper. The way Bronson Pinchot played it was like orgasmic. Like every time he ripped a strip of paper, it was like his entire wound up tension released. It. And, and like his eyes rolled back in his head. It was, I mean, he looked like he was having an orgasm. Wow. Okay. It was a lot. I pictured it not like that. <laughs> I did. I also didn't picture it like how I would end up at the end of meetings with like a big pile of shredded paper. Right. It was more intentional than that. I, yeah. I pictured it kind of like the shredded paper at the end of a meeting, but he knew he was doing it and was doing it as a coping mechanism. Right. But, but it was... Because like there were like, like it parameters probably... for doing a good job on it. Yeah. yeah. Because everything... He, there were parameters for him doing a good job on everything because right. that's the way his horrible father who never should have had children raised him. True. Um, and then also the parallels with the Langoliers and with the rip in time. Yes. Um, it was all about rips. Yep. So many rips. Yep. Rip Craig Toomey. Yep. Um, I'm pretty sure that Toomey, sh- like the name Toomey shows up again in Dark Tower stuff. Okay. It or sounds something. familiar. Maybe but... 112263? Maybe. I feel like I remember, I, I was like, Yeah, because I, I don't think it was in The Gunslinger, and no. that's the only Dark Tower that I've read. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like maybe it's like one of the random dairy people. Yeah. But like, I mean, and Toomey is such a Stephen King last name, because it's like yeah. real Toomey. Yeah. It's all Toomey and stuff. Yeah. Hmm. It was just, I don't know. One of the things that I love about so much about this book is just the really interesting take on time travel. Yeah. And how it's not, there's no convenience. Yeah. It's, in fact, super dangerous. The only convenient thing is how well Bob Jenkins does at figuring out what's going on with very few clues to go on. He's like, well, I'm a mystery writer, so I come up with random shit like this all the time. So I know exactly what's going on. Like, he figures out there when they're in the airport, he figures out that the beer is flat. Right. And then But Albert, he already knew that. He already knew that. But but yeah, like they're in the airport and he figures out he's like, oh, the food the food is tasteless, the beer is flat, and then that hypothesis that he has yet to he has not voiced is proven true. Right. And then Albert's randomly like, what if we take it, on, like, what if we go back on the plane? Will the beer on the plane be flat, or is the plane a little pocket of our time and not this weird time travel time? Right. So Bob Jenkins and Albert both kind of just came up with some stuff. It's interesting that there's. There's pairs. So there's Engel and Nick, mm-hmm. who are action team seven. Yep. There's Albert and Bob, who are the brains of the outfit. Yep. There's the women. Well, yeah. There, well, there's Laurel and Dinah. I was going to pair Dinah with Craig for... Oh, yeah. No, you're right. So there's Laurel and Bethany, who are also on the plane. Right. And then the other two. Pat and Rudy. Don. 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 Pat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pat. Yeah. I think there's an author named Pat Gaffney. Mm-hmm. And that's why I keep thinking Pat Gaffney. I think I kept picturing um, Rip Torn, which is really, really funny for this uh, story with all the rips and stuff, Mm -hmm. as Don Gaffney. Because he was Don Geis in 30 Rock. That's where it is. Oh, okay. That's where it is. Um, He was some guy who actually looked 
kind of like a cross between Stanley from The Office and okay. the cop from Die Hard, whose name I'm completely blanking on, even though I should know it. Um, Reginald. Uh, Reginald Val Johnson. Yes. Yes. I had to go via my brother, my brother and me. Yes, I know. And that's why I was I was trying to think because he was in Die Hard. He's, they talk about him in Mabim Bam a lot. And Andy was on Family, Family Matters. Matters right. And so my brain was doing too many things at once trying to come yeah. up with his name. But yeah, the guy kind of looked like a cross between them. Hmm. It was kind of nice seeing a not white person in the cast. Sure, sure. Especially sure. for 95. And, and especially considering that in the book, I'm pretty sure they were all white. Right. Yeah. They every description of every person. Pretty sure, yeah. yeah. But also, he was a a person of color who wasn't the savior person of color. He wasn't like this magic, true ma- magic man. But he was the first to die. Well, technically, all the people on the plane were the first. He to was die. the first character who was at all a part of the story yeah. to die. Yeah. Did did uh, Albert's toaster whip come into? Oh yeah. Did it? It was I not. Gotta watch ne- this, it wasn't so. nearly. It's it's really good. They stick. It is very faithful to the book. That's. I they, mean, like almost line for line. What's the happened with the, with the Shining miniseries too? Miniseries, I think, is the way that you're supposed to do Stephen King adaptations. I think so. <laughs> and like yeah. even it, like 2017, it is basically a, a two part miniseries. Yeah. I mean, like let's be honest, and that's yeah. how they did. That's in fact what. What they did before. The first it was yeah. as well. But like Yeah, this was just a two parter. So yeah. it's like three hours long on YouTube. Yeah. Um and yeah, if you Google the Langoliers full movie, there's a bunch of them. The the first one is the one that I clicked on. It's decentish quality. Mm. The I don't remember who the user is, but it says Langoliers full movie. I do not own this. So that's how you know that that's the one that you should be watching. <laughs> ben told the story. I think it was outtakes. I think it's an outtakes episode now. Um he, he was watching a Blink Money Two video. And the person put in all caps, I do not own anything. <laughs> <laughs> all right. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Um, interesting. Okay. So, like, I'm not sure where else to go. Like, I, I, I enjoyed it. didn't the clothing stay behind? When all these people get vaporized, all of their jewelry, any, like. It's metal stuff. Fillings. Well, no. So, it was fillings, pacemakers, like, surgical pins. A wig, a, a wig. dildo mm-hmm. that apparently was just basically anything that is inside your body and also that one person's wig. Must be synthetic. Things that are synthetic. If the wig was made from actual hair, it would have been gone. But because it was made, maybe that wig was made from something not hair. But what about all of the polyester that you know they were in the 80s and 90s? Well, polyester is a plastic. Polyester isn't cotton. Polyester is a, like a plastic. Right, so wouldn't it have stayed behind? Oh, right. That's you're making the other thing. Yeah, I feel like that was maybe just something our dear friend Steve did not think through all the way. Or someone's some clothes would have had to be there. Yeah, because all the purses are left behind, all the jewelry is left behind, all of the surgical pins and pacemakers and hearing aids and Teflon kneecaps, Teflon kneecaps and dentures and fillings and stuff. That's all left behind, but none of the clothing is. That's really weird. Because, like, I think we're supposed to get... Did oh, no, This will be interesting. Did you um, get rapture from it at all? No, but I'm a dirty heathen who doesn't ever... Like, my brain will never, ever go to the religious and aspect of it. I didn't... Like, I, it would never have occurred to me to think that had you not said something just now. And even now that you've said it, I don't... That's not what I 
would get from it. Yeah. I didn't grow up in any church where rapture was a thing. Right. And I've mostly only experienced rapture through YouTube prank videos. Okay. (laughs) It's a very random and specific YouTube genre. Well, they, uh, yeah, they... They, someone goes to the bathroom and everyone, it's like a flash mob, but it's a disappearance naked mob. Okay. Where they all, the person goes to the bathroom and they all get out of their clothes and leave. Okay. So the person comes out and everyone is gone except for all their clothes are there. And so they, the they person from the bathroom thinks, they, thinks everyone's been raptured? Right. Okay. I didn't know, like there's a bumper sticker that's like, in case of rapture, this car will be left unmanned or something, which I didn't get and isn't a clever or... It's not a funny bumper sticker at all. No. But I didn't understand it until that YouTube video. <laughs> until, okay. Um, and then there was, you know, like a Left Behind, that Kirk Cameron thing, which I think is about the rapture happens and then there are people left over. And so like, what then? It's like a zombie apocalypse, but not. Right. But like Christian. Yeah. It's a Christian apocalypse. Right. Christian apocalypse would be a cool name for like a like a wrestler. Yeah, it would. Is the idea that the people who are left behind are the... Sinners. Yeah, the ones who didn't get taken to To heaven. heaven. Where everyone's naked. Right, because everybody's clothes got left on the floor of that CeCe's Pizza. Which, when you were talking about somebody goes into the bathroom, for some reason I immediately pictured somebody going into the bathroom at the CeCe's Pizza in Leesburg. Okay. And everybody in the room just strips down and leaves. And then I guess you just have a bunch of naked people hanging out in front of the Joanne Fabrics. Right. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, I guess you could go into Joanne Fabrics and make yourself some new clothes. You could. Just wrap yourself in a bolt of, fa- of yeah. fabric. Don't worry, Joanne. We'll pay for this. I don't this. know why I said fabric, but that's... It's because you're talking about Joanne Fabrics. Joanne Fabrics. <laughs> I like to think that, that all Minnesota of the... staple, don't you know? Uh-huh. That's uh-huh. all I got. A Minnesota I'm, I'm staple now. is what they call... Something. something. <laughs> Fill in your own joke. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So hold on. They land the plane. They go to LAX. No one's there. And they're like, ah, crap. And then yeah, it's Bob should, again, right? We should talk about how they land the plane because that's... Right. So they realize they're about to go through this time rip and Bob is like, oh, fuck, we were all asleep and that's the only reason we survived. As a reader, were you sitting there yelling at the book being like, mm-hmm. you weren't asleep. Yeah. Or you're not asleep. You're not asleep. You're not asleep. Yeah. yeah. I wonder if that's designed for people that are reading Stephen King and are already like, look, I have enough trouble going to sleep as it is. Right. This is a horrifying... That was probably the most gripping part of the whole thing. Yeah. It was like, they have to fall asleep really fast. How are they going to do well, that? Well, and I will tell you what, watching it, yeah. I was literally... Like, my body was tensed up. Yeah. Even though I knew exactly what was going to happen. Yeah. Like, that whole trying to land the plane sequence was... And, and actually, when the Langoliers were coming, too, and they were trying to get the plane in the air. Yeah. I was, like, on the edge of my seat. It, Anybody who says that 90s adaptations of Stephen King things are not well done, I disagree with them. Okay. Strong words. Strong words. <laughs> but so they realize that they all need to be asleep. Right. And they're like, okay, so we'll just knock the cabin pressure down and it'll put us all to sleep. And then somebody's like, uh, one problem. Who's going to land the plane? Because it's not that they need someone to land the plane so much as they need someone to turn the cabin pressure back up so that everyone wakes back up again right yeah because if they all go to sleep then they will stay asleep and the plane will crash but i'm like i was see the earlier part of the book where it was like it's fine that that everyone is slowly waking up and being like hey who's flying this plane Mm -hmm. 
I was I was sort of like jaded or like thrown off because I was like, isn't it fine that people are going to be doing the same thing over? But I think there was a fuel issue where they had to be like, all right, but we seriously need to like get back through the. Yeah, they basically only had enough. They were able to fuel the plane up in Maine just enough to get them back to LAX. Right. They were there was no way that they could circle to wait until it was there because, you know, they're a an unexpected flight. So they didn't have, they weren't going to have time to like circle and wait for it to be, you know, wait for the the runway to clear or anything. Right. They were basically coasting in on fumes. Right. And also they went to Bangor because uh, it has the longest uh, runway in the area, I guess. Yes. So like LAX, they weren't going to have the luxurious, like ease on the brakes right. sort of situation that uh, they had in Bangor. Right. I think they also went to Bangor because it's a smaller airport. I, I was certain, and I wonder if any listeners are with me, when you said they went to Bangor because it's a, I was sure you're going to be like, Stephen King book, and oh, they that, can't not be in Maine. Well, no, I mean, that's that wasn't an I also thought. That's just a given. <laughs> We're on our way to Boston. Sure you are, Stephen King. We'll see how you get us to, to Maine this time. Right. <laughs> Yeah, but I think because they said something about they couldn't go to Boston because Logan is such a busy airport. Right. There's no way that they were going to be able to unexpectedly land there. Right. So they what they realize is that one of them is going to have to stay awake. Right. And Nick volunteers himself, mm-hmm. being the, the good romance hero that he is. Right. Sacrifices himself. So he gets his little oxygen mask so that he doesn't fall asleep when the cabin pressure drops. And right as they're going through the rip, he flicks the cabin pressure back to where it belongs so that after they're through the rip, everybody wakes up and he has been vaporized. Yeah. And it, in the show, they kept zooming, like his watch hits the ground. Yeah. And they kept like focusing on it. And like Brian looked at it and Laurel looked at it and it's just lying on the ground. And at one point, I thought Brian was going to reach over and pick it up and hand it to Laurel as like, here's a memento of that guy that you kissed. Yeah. Oh, they were some smooching. There was some smooching. It was not as good as I wanted it to be. Mm. Like my, it was better in my head sure. than it was on the screen. Sure. It was fine on the screen. It just wasn't anything super exciting. Right. Not like Albert and Bethany. Who also, it was better in my mind than it was on the screen. Absolutely. I don't know. I guess I sort of had a... Uh... Mina Suvari for Bethany? This chick, she reminds me of somebody and I can't think who. Hmm. And actually, I think... Is it the, Mina Suvari? No, I think it's that chick who was in both Airborne and also Sister Act 2. Oh. You know who I'm talking about? Yeah. Yes, 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 yes. I don't remember her name, but... Uh, she, uh, New York girl? Yeah. She girl? didn't have like a particularly New York accent, but she had like that weird kind of mid-90s affectation. They all have like this weird... The, some of the other movies that I've been watching recently have done this too. It's like a very 70s, 80s, 90s, mid-90s affectation of the voice where it almost, I'm trying to, I can't really describe it. It's like how soap opera actors have a weird affectation of their okay. voices. Shush. It's like that, but it's a different one. Okay. But like, you know how you can watch a soap opera and you're like, okay, well, this is soap opera acting. Yes, I know what you're talking about, Deborah. It's like if you watch a movie from the 70s. Oh, It's got, and a lot of the time in the 80s. It's got that. Who's going to pay for the pizza? I mean, not exactly, but whatever. It's a a weird affectation that they all kind of had. Like an after school special sort of. of Yeah. Like, yeah. Well, Greg, 
It's sort of a Brady Bunch yeah. sort of deal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, okay. yeah. it's very, yeah. The Brady Bunch deal is very, yeah. a very good way to put it. Cool. But, so, yeah. So, like, I really, like, this is the kind of, like, this isn't an iconic Stephen King work, no. I don't feel like. But this is what I go to for, this is why, this is why Stephen King is, like, part of our show. This is up there with 112263 for me in terms of rereadability and mm-hmm. overall enjoyability. I agree. I would I would reread this. Yeah. Yeah. Um and it's weird because it's not one that most people have heard of. Yeah. Yeah. The whole thing with the Langoliers is kind of weird for me. Like the whole like Craig's the big... like the whole Craig's dad having told him as a kid the Langoliers will get you. Like what a weird thing for his dad to make up. I mean obviously these you know, balls of eating that show up. They're calling them the Langoliers because that's what Craig calls them. Right. But like, what a weird thing for a person to just come up with off the top of their head. Right. Well, I mean, like, it's kind of like a, you know, oh, Krampus will get you or... Right, exactly. But like, it's just a... I feel like all of those types of things are kind of rooted in some sort of... I mean, I guess at some point Krampus was something that somebody came up with. Peter, what are you telling him? I said there's a guy that comes and is going to punish him for what he did on Christmas. Why would you tell him that? (laughs) Right. Well, he broke my thing. (laughs) Yeah. Like, it's, I don't know. Like, it's a, I mean, it's a weird threat for a parent to have for their child. Right. Because it's just such a horrible thing. These little monsters are going to come and eat you if you don't get all A's and work really hard. (laughs) Right, Right. But the whole, like... It's also weird that Craig just pulled that one kind of out of his butt. Like they're standing, they're all standing there and Dinah's like, I hear something. And Craig's like, oh, it's the Langoliers. Yeah. Instead of being like, oh, weird, must be the wind. He's like, oh, it's the Langoliers. You know, these things that my dad made up to scare me when I was a kid. Right. It's absolutely them. There was an element, I keep going back to like, a. it's like a, it was almost like a, a dreamscape where it was like, because he came in with this like vivid nightmare thing that was the form they took that could be like it it it's it sort of like a memory like i stand by what i said earlier about like it was like a memory and that it was whatever but it was also i feel like more like a dream where it was like time is sort of whatever and like details are kind of eh yeah unless it's you know your nightmare coming true in right. which case well guess you're about to get eaten yeah 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 I don't know. It was weird. Yeah. There but... were, I mean, there were a lot of things in the story that really, really worked for me. And I think that the characterization of most of the main characters was very good. Yeah. And that's, I mean, honestly, it's like, it's a big ensemble cast and it's kind of like the, it's a story about these people existing in this situation. Like, right. it's not a story about time travel. It's not a story about the Langoliers. It's a story about how these people are dealing with the situation they've been thrust into. Right. And yeah. That, that, Which is my favorite kind of Stephen King. Exactly. I wish that the female characters were a little more developed. Were they better? Were they more developed in the miniseries? They were. Like I mean, a, they're, a, a, they're a, fine. Yeah. They're just kind of like Laurel is a main character, but only in as much as she's. Like, the whole story could have happened without her. Sure. She's there for Nick to have somebody to kiss at the end. Sure. And Bethany is there, I guess, to have another girl in the story. She had the matches. She had the matches, she but anybody could have had the matches. Anyone could have had the matches. 
Uh, Honestly, I think the main reason Laurel was there was to be in charge of Dinah. Right. They, they Di- needed, Dinah needed a handler, they and needed, Laurel happened to be a teacher. Right. They needed a mother to be there, a mother figure yeah. to be there. But they also needed the scary part of Dinah's mother figure isn't there. Yeah. I mean, really, Brian, Nick, Bob, and Albert were the... And Craig right. and Dinah. Right. So that's six out of the ten people on the plane. They could have done without... I'm sorry, the 11 people on the right. plane. I forgot about the uh, bearded smoking gun in the back. <laughs> right. Um, they didn't need Rudy. They didn't really need Don. They didn't really need Laurel, and they didn't need Bethany. Right. I mean, like, other than, like, for logistics of, like, and so-and-so uh, stood watch while other main characters did actual stuff. Yeah. Or so-and-so didn't stand watch while other characters escaped things. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, they were basically props. Yeah. So, Yeah. When I was reading it, I was like, man, he's filling up this plane. It's not going to be all these people. This is Stephen King. This is too big a cast. <laughs> Stephen King's like, hang on a sec. How about 10? Does 10 do you? Yeah. 10's <laughs> like, great. Thanks, Steve. Yeah, yeah, like, I was like, this is a cast of hundreds. What are you going to do? Yeah. Oh, disappear most of them? Got it. Yeah. Cool. And like, it was a cool thing. Like, only the people that happen to be asleep during a part where you're almost never asleep. Yeah, it was like the first, I think they went through the rip. It was the first half it was hour. Like, it was over Vegas. So yeah. it's like the first 40 minutes of a cross-country flight. Yeah. And it, it was because it was a red eye and they were basically all just exhausted. But like when you and I took the red eye from Seattle to oh, Washington. Oh, I tried to sleep. Right. And I, I, I didn't. <laughs> but like. So who was you it? will next time. <laughs> in, the, uh, in, the, in the book, someone was like, why wasn't everyone asleep? And someone was like. It's hard to go to sleep. And I was like, yeah, they call it, that's why they call it a red eye. Because you get there and you haven't slept and now your eyes are red because you're tired. Yeah. Like, you're not like, oh, my eyes are red because of that sound sleep I just got. Yeah. Like, Dinah probably fell asleep because she was a child. Right. Brian fell asleep because he had just come off of a long, like, he was supposed to be going home He just flown from Tokyo to LAX. Yeah. Like, he was very, very tired. Yeah. Bethany was drunk. Bethany was drunk. That's right. Albert was tired from having um just like been so stressed out about music yeah and then uh other characters were also drunk bearded guy was drunk um bearded guy somehow managed to stay drunk the entire time yeah which was pretty impressive Gaff? yeah they they explained why they were all yeah asleep. craig was was sleeping because he was like basically gearing up for this weirdly masochistic like suicide mission to boston where he was going to basically say, hey, I threw all your money away. Guess I'm fired, huh? Great, I'm free. Yeah. Um, Which felt like the most relatable part of Craig Toomey's character. Yeah. I was like, boy, I get it. I yep. get that impulse all over the place. Yep. Um, Anyways. All right. Well, I mean, like, I really enjoyed it. I, I would recommend it. Like, this, this might be... You know how when people are like, what Stephen King should I read? And when they get to what Stephen King... Sh- I'm like, 1123. Mm-hmm. I feel like this might be a almost a better recommendation because it's shorter. It's shorter. It's got the scare aspect that I don't feel like eleven twenty two sixty three has. Mm. Like you know, if people want to get into Stephen King, they're expecting something. Yeah. At the very least, a little bit unnerving. I mean, there's the there's the 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 hammer part. Yeah, but. but that's pretty much it. That's pretty much it. Eleven twenty two sixty three is not a scary book. God, it's so good though. It's so good. But we're not talking about eleven twenty two sixty three. The only thing I would say is that this one 
seemed like I tried to buy a copy of Four Past Midnight for somebody. Uh-huh. And Amazon was like, sorry, we don't have this. Would you like to pay $35 for a used copy? And I was like, no, thank you. Man, but then feels- I found it. But then there was a paperback one that came up at some point that was like eight bucks. So it could yeah. just be that it kind of ebbs and flows. But it's not one of the more easily... Like, if you walk into a random bookstore, Four Past Midnight is probably not one of the Stephen King books that they're going to have on the shelf. feels like it should be Kindle stuff. Like, if it was me... Maybe it's because I was not trying to buy a Kindle version yeah. for somebody. I feel like I would split it up and be like, hey, here's these four stories that you can each pay two bucks for. Yeah. And like... I am clocking them all individually on Goodreads. Uh-huh. So like, I read The Langoliers... And even though I have not read the other three stories in Four Past Midnight, I absolutely put down that I have read The Langoliers. Because, I mean, it's like it's a full-size it's a, it's, book. It's a book-length thing. I put so far that I read I read one-third of Four Past Midnight. Well, know. it should be one-fourth. Well, it should be, but page-wise, it's not. Oh, okay. One of oh, the so there's one that's be... an actual novella? Yeah, because yeah, it's, two it's 235 out of 740 or something. Oh, okay. All right, so I think that's going to do it for this. I mean, like I would, like I would definitely recommend this. In terms of what we covered, of what we've covered so far in All Hallows, Steve, I think I would put Mr. Mercedes the show first. Okay. Then the Langoliers, the novella. You can speak to the miniseries, and then I would put Castle Rock below that. The miniseries is fine. Like if you're not a big reader, uh-huh. and the idea of reading the Langoliers doesn't appeal to you, but you're intrigued by the story, go watch the miniseries. I mean, be aware it was made in 95. It's dated. Right. But it's not bad. The acting was good for the technology that they had at the time. The effects were fine. Uh-huh. So, uh, yeah, I mean, like, I would super recommend this. And uh, I think that uh, it sounds like the miniseries is worth checking out as well. Yeah. Cool. We have social media. We have a Facebook group called Unabashedly Obsessed with Unabashedly Obsessed. We have lots of fun. People talk about stuff. Probably people will be talking about Stephen King, I assume. Probably. I've been a lot of activity recently, but that's okay. Yeah, it's been a slow week, but that's yeah. okay. We also have a Twitter. It is at UFO Podcast, where you decide what the F stands for. This week, the F stands for... Flight 29. American Pride Flight 29. Mm-hmm. That's a fictional air- airline. Sure is. Sounds like a real one. Yeah, it does. Well, American. Yeah. And Pride Pride Month. What? Uh. No, not because of Pride Month, just because American Pride <laughs> super sounds like an airline. It super does. Individually, we can be found on Twitter. I'm at unabashedly Aaron. I am at unabashed James. We have a Patreon. Uh, it is patreon.com slash unabashedly obsessed. We also have a merch store, cafepress.com slash unabashedly obsessed. Put our cartoon faces on stuff. Mm-hmm. We also have a shirt that uh, has lots of ampersands. If you are an ampersand enthusiast, mm-hmm. That's the shirt for you. And I need to put the baby pin up. Mm, yes. Yeah. I need to do that for Colin. Yeah. Hi, Colin. Hi, Colin. So if you uh, were a fan of Blinking, you miss it and you wanted to grab a pin, Aaron made me these, uh, this sort of like one of that small size pin. Yeah, it's like one of the little one inch buttons. Yeah. Um, and that's going to be for sale soon on the cafepress.com store. Yep. Slash unabashedly obsessed. Thank you to Jamie Shaheen for our theme song. Did you guys know there was a ladder down here? You can find Jamie and his band, A Silent Few, on YouTube. Thank you also to Emily Cardamus for our logo art. You can find Emily on Twitter at Corrupted Gem or on Tumblr at artfulhypothesis.tumblr.com or on her podcasts, Guilty Treasures, The Audio Armory, or Bonus Level, I believe is her video game one. Because she's in that Renaissance podcast all the time, everything thing that we know so well. Yep. 
Oh, an episode of Kids on Bikes came out today. Yes. Today that we're recording this, so Monday. It will have already been out by the time this airs. Yep. And it's very good, and you should go listen to that. May I plug something real quick? You may. So uh, my friend and co-Kids on Bikes castmate David and I are starting a new podcast. Yeah. It's it's not going to come out until January, but we are... We want to involve uh, listeners sooner than that. So basically, it's called Track Meet. Think historical hotties, but for songs. So we're basically going to pick a theme, and then we're both going to pick a song and defend it a la historical hotties with uh, five categories. Uh, Music, lyrics, production, re-listenability, and then like a wild card. That's the one I'm excited about. The wild card related to the theme in some way. Okay. Um, Like we just uh, picked a short songs one, and I think the wild card is going to be the shorter song gets more points. Like the shorter oh. the song, the more points you get. I was thinking like the sh- the shorter lead singer gets more points. That's really funny. The we also picked or like be- the shortest bassist gets the most points. Like <laughs> pick the most. <laughs> it, it should be bassist, not lead singer. That's like the re- more obscure you can get, it the better. That's really funny. But like the best bridges one, where the most song most about bridges gets gets the points there. Okay. Because we also found that songs about bridges tend not to have bridges, which is weird. Huh. Uh, if you want to join our Facebook group, it's called Track Meet Podcast Facebook Group because we're super original. Super original. Um, or follow us on Twitter at Track Meet Cast. Every Tuesday and Thursday starting this week. So you'll have missed one, but one will still be going. Uh, I'm doing a, like a 48-hour poll where I, I, I put up four potential themes and the audience picks two of them for us to do. In oh, January. cool. So, um, yeah, uh, we love all listeners. Anyone who, who likes hearing me talk about music in various aspects uh come come hang out and join and play yeah so yeah i'm trying to think if i have anything else to plug i'm playing a cheese robot and a sports fan question mark in Uh an upcoming episode of greater boston sure 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 it's the part you were born to play yep i think that'll be airing next week or the week after i think he said around halloween didn't you contract the plague i did contract the plague in one that is still in development okay and then one last thing we can sign off are we playing something special after this episode's over like a trailer for kids on bikes oh yeah (laughs) (laughs) listen to our trailer that i made for kids on bikes (laughs) cool yes i'm really excited you turned out really really well you did a really great job thank you i really wish that um vacant blinking was something that came across (laughs) in an auditory medium because there's a lot of it just now i was like i don't know are we (laughs) so yeah stick around after the you know random chatter over the theme song yeah and here are kids on bikes trailer yeah all right well this has been a thrilling episode a flight ta- no, no no this has been a great episode of unabashedly obsessed you've got better adjectives than thrilling flight-tastic and great flight-tastic's pretty good this has been a a rip-roaring there you go episode of unabashedly obsessed i've slammed the mic into my face <laughs> i'm james i'm aaron smoking kills and so do the langoliers they do Smoking, actually, I wonder if it wouldn't kill you as bad because the cigarettes wouldn't, uh, wouldn't smoke as bad. Well, not, an unlit cigarette can't kill you. I'm sure that there's still a way to kill someone with an unlit cigarette. Like if you dropped it from the top of a skyscraper and someone was looking up and it went right into their brain. Nineteen sixty-five, Swampskit, Massachusetts. Hey, cousin. Hey, cousin. That's Cat and Randall. They're from Texas. Um, hi, Mary Sue. Garrett has a thing for Mary Sue. It's Mary. Mary, 
does not have a thing for Garrett. In fact, Mary has a thing, a very secret thing, for Walter Green. Of course she does. So does Meg. But none of that matters, because Walter Green is missing. What? what? You had me. He's missing, and you're all suspects. Sir, I believe Suspect. you're mistaken. On what grounds? I'd like to see your badge, please. Cousin Cusshole. It's possible Officer Ross isn't looking in the right place, because Walter, well, he disappeared near the woods, and that group that lives in the woods, they're different. Hollow, tell him what you told me. Um, I'm a witch. It's Kids on Bikes, available wherever you get your podcasts. <laughs>